0: The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit GeorgiaFaith.com. Thank you for listening. This week in Athens, a young woman in college went out for a morning run, was murdered. This week, two children on vacation were digging a hole in the sand at the beach and the walls of the hole collapsed and they died. This week, nations are at war in the cities of Ukraine in the streets of Gaza. This week, some good people got very bad news in the form of a diagnosis or an event that shattered a relationship or suffering or loss that came for no reason at all. You know, some people look at the events of this past week and they come to a conclusion about God. They cannot rectify the idea or rationalize the idea of there being the presence of evil or suffering in the world and there being a God who's both all-powerful and all-good. They look at the suffering and the hurt and they say, well, If God's in control, he's not good. Or if God is good, he certainly isn't in control. This is such an important topic for us because you, you too know what it feels like to have suffering come into your life unasked for. You know what it's like to receive bad news out of the blue. You know what it's like to receive that that information that wrenches your gut, You too know what it feels like to kneel down in prayer to your Heavenly Father. And the first word is why? Why, Lord? You know, uh, it's usually for Christians like us, it's usually not that we don't understand that there's evil out in the world. We get it. The world's a sinful, broken place. We understand that there's going to be evil in the world. The problem for Christians usually is when that suffering or that evil or that heartbreak comes into my life. I'm okay with the fact that there's bad in the world, but when it happens to me, well, then I've got some questions about this God who is both all good and all powerful. Why did this happen to me, Lord? I mean, I'm your follower. I believe in you. I trust in you. So why did this happen to me? For Christians who have suffering in their life, or brokenness, or heartache, or sadness, The readings for today are particularly meaningful because they talk about what it means to bear our crosses as we follow Jesus from here to heaven. And maybe the first reading is the one that is particularly arresting for Christians dealing with suffering when we look at the example of this man named Job. Because when the Bible describes Job, describes him first of all as being... Fabulously wealthy and receiving great blessings from God's hand. He's called uh, the greatest man of the people of the East. But that description of his wealth and blessing is actually a secondary description. The primary chief point that the Bible makes in describing Job is that he was blameless and upright. He was a righteous man living in the midst of an evil world. And it's precisely because of that Precisely because Job was a devout man and a good man. So it makes the paradox of the tragedy that happens to him so particularly arresting for us. Here is this man who started the day with wealth and health and a family. But then the raiders came and took his herds and slaughtered his servants. Lightning fell from the sky and destroyed his flocks of sheep. A tornado came onto the house where his grown children had assembled. And all ten of them, whom he'd raised from little boys and girls, they were all dead. In an instant, everything he had was gone. All that was left at this point was his health and his wife, but those wouldn't provide much comfort for long. What kind of faith does it take to say the words that he did at the end of our reading today? Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Those are wonderful words in the face of suffering. But Job's story doesn't end there. And we should be aware that Job doesn't continue to speak such wonderful sounding words when his suffering continues and continues and continues. Turns out when a Christian suffering persists, it can grind down the faith of even the most devout Christian. Uh, Job's friends show up to mourn with him, and they did just that. They, they sat silently and cried with him for seven days. This is when they were at their best, actually. We could glean a little bit of wisdom here for when we have the privilege of ministering to people who have experienced loss and tragedy. I mean, just being there matters. The trouble started when the friends started to talk. And they tried to reason out why all of this happened. That's a natural thing for us to do, right? When big trouble comes into our life, the first thing we try to figure out is some causal links. What is the reason this is happening to me? Now, of course, in the book of Job, we were given the backstory, And the backstory story is god knew exactly who job was god loved job god said job is blameless and upright and still god allowed suffering to come into his life not because he'd done anything wrong but because he hadn't okay so we know the truth backstory but now the friends i guess if we didn't know the backstory we might be right there with job and his friends trying to figure out why do bad things happen to good people and the conclusion that his friends came to is they don't. Bad things don't happen to good people. So Job, you, you must be bad. You must have done something, something to make all this happen. Of course, Job, he denies it. He's like, I haven't done anything to cause this. And then he speaks words that are far different from the ones that ended our reading for today. Saying, Lord, why is this happening to me? This isn't fair. This isn't right. What is it, God? Is it that you're not in control? Or is it that you don't care about me? Listen to his challenge. He says, Oh, that I had someone to hear me. I now sign my defense. Let the Almighty answer me. Let my accuser put his indictment in writing. This bold challenge from Job is met by the distant rumbles of thunder. For 37 chapters, Job and his friends have been asking questions about God. And now God was coming astride the storm to give some answers. When God showed up and spoke to Job, the answer was a little shocking. The problem, Job, is it's that you are too dim, too obtuse, and too short-sighted to understand that this too is meant for your blessing and my glory. Now brace yourself, I'm gonna ask you some questions. You spend 37 chapters asking me questions? I'm gonna ask you some, Job. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Where were you when I formed the earth like clay? Were you there? Are you the one who brings the constellations out each night? Tell me, Job, if you understand any of this. Were you there the day I told the proud waves, halt this far and no farther? Any of this, Job? No. Do you understand even the least bit of my governance of the earth? Four chapters of this. God's neither explaining himself nor excusing himself, simply saying that Job is just too small to understand. Important thing that we learn from this, first maybe important thought is, um, God doesn't work on the karma system. You know what the karma system is, right? Karma is where you think if I do bad things, bad things are going to happen to me. So if I was really bad while I was younger, I turn the corner, I get run over by the karma truck or something like that. This is sometimes the easiest place we go to when something bad comes into our life and we try to find a causal link. Oh, God God is kind of paying me back. For what I did that time. Obviously this is happening because. You know God's going to make me kind of pay for what I did when I was younger. Um, That's that's not how God works. God does not operate on on the principle of karma. Whatever loss or brokenness or heartache there is in your life. It is in no way absolutely not God responding to like even you up for some sin in your life. And here's how I can prove it. Here's how God proves to you that he doesn't work on karma, okay? He proves it to make sure you know none of your loss or brokenness or sadness is caused by God evening up sin. What he does is he points you to the best man who ever lived. He points you to the one man who never did anything wrong, who never failed his family, never failed his God, never carried around any guilt, never put any bad karma out there into the world, the one perfect man. And he points him points to him, nailed to a cross, dying for the sins of other people. Okay, if God worked based on karma, the one best man should have had nothing bad ever happen to him. Ever, right? But instead, the one perfect man had the worst possible thing happen to him. It's proof that God does not work on the karma system but it's also something else. I want you to think about this. Uh, That suffering of the one best man on the cross, you look at it from the world's perspective, it looks awful. The innocent for the guilty, the one who was perfect being executed, it looks like a bad thing, the worst. But what was really going on there? What was the true nature of what was happening? God used the worst event in human history, the Son of God dying. And what did he do with it? He used it to win forgiveness, peace, and life for you. God used the worst possible suffering in the world to give the absolute greatest gift. The point is, maybe sometimes like Job, we can't begin to see what God intends to do in our life. Why did you get cancer? I don't know. Why did uh, you lose that loved one? I don't know. Why do you have this suffering in your life? I don't know. But I also wasn't there when he laid the earth's foundation. I also wasn't there when he molded the earth like clay and told the proud wave, Stop and no further. The answer to those questions is way above my pay grade. But I know this the God who used the worst thing in the world to give you the absolute greatest gift ever, he's going to never leave you alone in your time of suffering. And he makes you a promise that one day he's going to cure your disease. One day he's going to fix what's broken. One day he's going to give your dead back to you. God might make us wait, but he will always make it better. Listen to what Jesus said. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Christians carry crosses. Jesus never promised a problem-free life to his believers. In fact, he, he promised just the opposite. But when you look at the cross of Jesus, you can see the truth about any crosses that happen to be in your life, that God can even use the worst possible thing to give you the greatest possible gift. How will he do that with the crosses in your life? I don't know. I wasn't there when they laid the earth's foundation. But it is most certainly true. Bearing the crosses in this life, what they can definitely do is teach us to despair of trusting ourselves and throw ourselves solely at the feet of our Savior put ourselves back in the lap of our Heavenly Father who showed you how much He loves you. He was willing to sacrifice His own Son that you could be with Him. And if that's what God is really like well then we can see the true nature of any of the crosses that lie before us. Look at Job. God gave him to us as an example. You know God restored Job blessed Job again. He ended up basically um, doubling everything that Job had lost. Doubled his flocks, doubled his herds, doubled his servants. The only thing he didn't double was uh, his children. You know, he had ten children who died. Instead of giving him twenty more children, God just gave him ten more. But that was double. Because the first ten children weren't lost. They were simply waiting. And here's very important truth about bearing our crosses in this life we are following a savior who carried his cross to death and back again and that means even if the cross that we carry ends in our death like the psalmist says i will not die but live and will proclaim what the lord has done god granted amen